What's up, guys? It's party time. It is another episode of the Chad Prather Show. That is right. It is Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend, at least better than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, wow. What a game, Mark. What a game. You know, I, I thought the Cowboys had that game uh, in the first quarter, in like the first five minutes. I thought they had it. But um, yeah, they Everything didn't. changed with the interception, for sure. <laughs> Look, man, I, you know, um, I had high hopes. I had high hopes. Uh, as a Cowboys fan, you know, I listen, I've been a Cowboys fan my entire life. I hate to admit that, honestly. I hate to admit it. My father would not take my mother to the hospital when she was pregnant with me in labor because they were in the playoffs against the Washington Redskins. And uh, my father was like, nah, it'll pass. <laughs> so Cowboys fan my entire life, um, you know. Uh, I've done tons of events with different Cowboys and consider a lot of them, you know, former football players, my friends, Cowboys, my friends. And so I wished, I wished, but no, I, I didn't have high hopes. I really didn't. Um, anyway, enough about that. People get tore up over that stuff, man. You say anything about this, Brandon, and I'm telling you, they get tore up over it. Um, there's a few things out there that people are getting passionate about. And uh, as you know, I love to stir the pot. Now, of course, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he's gone wildly viral for once in his life of saying that, uh, that he could kick better than the Cowboys kicker. <laughs> of course, I had a, a snarky response back to that because I was just pointing out all the things that uh, he hasn't done in his job. And, of course, everybody came to his defense. Now, everybody that's a, truly aware of what goes on, goes on in the state of texas when it comes to uh our big government problem here in austin uh they understand what i was trying to say it's amazing to me how many people still have their head in the sand however when it comes to how bad the government is in the state of texas i mean we're literally running off of the momentum of the past we are and we have our head so buried in in pride that we're not paying attention to how bad things have gotten in a very purple state uh, when, you know, the cronies of our governor in, uh, in the state house are the definition of rhino. Uh, it's horrible. So either way, hey, listen, I'll give it to him. It's a good joke. He threw himself out there. A paralyzed man who, who says he can swing the leg better than an NFL kicker. I'm going to give it to you, Greg. Uh, good um, self-deprecating humor there. But I had to call him out and uh, pissed a lot of people off. And, of course, there were those who said, um, well, why weren't you on the ballot like you said you were going to be? Well, I'm sorry you didn't vote in the primaries. Uh, only 12% of Texans showed up. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's somewhat of a problem. Somewhat of a problem here in the state of Texas. But, anyway, uh, I, I'm going to get into something here that pisses people off a lot. But before I do that and before I forget, let me remind you, this week – the Buckwild Comedy Tour kicks off in Joplin, Missouri. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the shithole that is Joplin, Missouri, but uh, it is going to be fantastic. We're going to bring so much testosterone into Joplin, and uh, and it's not a shithole. It's a great town. It's uh, I mean, you know, there's some shithole parts of it, just like my town. Um, every place has its shithole parts, um, and hopefully, we don't have to step over, you know, too much, too much, um, too many bodies and syringes to get to the theater. I kid, I kid. You don't like it. Come to the theater, buy a ticket, and tell me about it. <laughs> and that, my friends, is how you fill up rooms right there with flattery. No, uh, Jesse Payton, uh, Zach Rushing, Dustin Sims, myself, we're going to be there. 
uh, Friday night. You can get your tickets, chadpratherlive.com. Come hang out with us. Two incredible nights this past weekend in Amarillo and Abilene. Both of them sold out shows, packed rooms, great crowds, awesome times. Um, kiss some babies, sign some boobies. It was a fantastic weekend, I'm here to tell you. And I wish I could show you some of that footage, some of that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> I'll show you boys at the break. Wowza, I tell you. Wowza. So uh, last weekend, I made a post about participation trophies. Now, the, the, the post itself was not about participation trophies. The post was about participation trophy culture. Now, what do I mean by that? It's the culture of getting something that you did not earn. All right? Uh, and that has been going on in our culture for a long time, specifically for the last 50, 60 years, which a lot of people took offense to when I used, I just used a nice round number and I said, it's been going on for 50 years. Some people got caught up in the math. Some people said participation trophies have not been in existence in America for 50 years. We drink water from the galvanized hose in the yard and we died three times and, and we lived a rough life, walked in, you know, school uphill in the snow i got it i got it I, I appreciate that the values were different 50 years ago that your ethics were a little bit different your way of going about life and viewing life you weren't quite so beta soft shelled i understand that the point i was trying to make uh anytime you say participation trophy and even suggest that anyone got one of those things oh man it it, it gets the uh, it gets the cockles raised up everybody gets a little pissy the point was, the point I was trying to make is that in the 60s, with the self-esteem movements and the self-worth movements and the self-help movements and everybody trying to feel good about themselves, the free love, the tune in, turn on and drop out, Timothy Leary, LSD, let's woo, you know, all this kind of crap, uh, this feel-good culture that permeated society in such a big way, it had a result that led into... Well, the birth of Generation X, which of course is my generation, and we we tried to uh, you know we we tried to compensate on some things uh, as our children got a little bit older, and and we started to see the full manifestation in the late '80s and in the '90s specifically, and into the 2000s, it was really bad of of what we truly would say was a participation trophy, participation award, part participation ribbon, uh, whatever. And I had people who said, oh, we didn't have any form of participation trophies when I was growing up in the 70s. Well, I mean, if you ever had a test graded on a curve, that's a participation trophy. That is a, that is a merit that you did not earn, is my point. You might not have gotten a physical trophy, but understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about this whole metaphysical idea of you being rewarded for something that you shouldn't have gotten. And that, my friends, is what has been a problem in culture. So my, in my posts were about how we've created a culture of victims. Because if we didn't get our way, if we didn't get our way, then we're feeling persecuted. So if somebody... Uh, misgenders us or gives us the wrong pronoun or doesn't identify us properly or even mispronounces our name. We get offended uh, to the point where now we're calling these kind of things hate crimes, right? So if you didn't have, um, if you didn't have uh, um, everything go your way, then you were victimized. And so now we have people creating their own oppression because if you're, if you're living in easy times, you'll just start creating those things. 
right? So I got I got a couple of screenshots, and I shared these in different places on social media over the weekend. I got a couple of screenshots. Brandon, if you'll stick one of those up, there's a news article right here. Now, that news article right there is talking about a youth bowling league, and in two places there, it talks about how these young people will receive participation trophies for being a part of this. Now, this article, particular article, for those of you who say, well, participation trophies weren't in my generation, that article is from 1974, okay? 1974, so that is 48 years ago, right there. Now, put up another one. Put up the next one. Now, this right here, participation trophy offered by Rotary Club prize much sought for. Now, that particular article is from guess when? Guess when that article? Now, you would think uh, it says one of the most coveted trophies um, for our playgrounds is the Rotary Club Participation Trophy. It's coveted. You know when that article was written? That's 1927. 1927. So don't tell me participation trophies and participation culture had not been around. Put up the next one. All right, participation trophy to be given at uh, University of Minneapolis, all right? And so for the first time in the history of the University of Minneapolis, or Minnesota, sorry, this is in Minneapolis, it's University of Minnesota. For the first time in the history of the University of Minnesota, intramural sports will be uh, handed in a manner, handled in a manner that should create more interest in athletics than ever before. That article right there, 1924. 1924, the first mention of a participation trophy publicly in America was 1922. So what you see there is what happened with the advent of, of, well, for lack of better terms, socialist philosophy being ingrained into American society. Now, if you notice, in 1922, that was after something very significant. What, what happened in 1922 well, it was right after, just four years after the Great War, World War I. So from 1914, 1918, uh, World War I happened. It was also the ending of uh, child labor. So they passed child labor laws, and now kids had to go to school. Well, here was the thing. Post-war America, as well as now having to go to school, there was no interest in things like sports. So that's when you had the creation of things like the Little League, because now they wanted to get kids and have them involved in something in their free time, because after school they didn't have anything to do, so they created sports leagues. They created the idea of participation trophies and ribbons in order to get kids to come be a part of it. So no matter what, you're going to be rewarded for doing something, just participating, just being a part of it, hence the reason we do that. We saw another rise of the concept of participation trophies in, early 19, in the early 1950s and again in the 1970s. And the reason we saw that, if you'll notice, the 1950s was right after World War II. And of course, the 1970s was right after the Vietnam conflict. So in post-war America, we always see a rise in participation trophies. And again, it's a culture. It's a culture of giving people something just for being a part of it, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. I'm convinced it's not a bad thing. You want to reward somebody for just showing up. I mean, hey, look, you got a uniform. That's in some way a participation trophy. You got the uniform. You got to wear the jersey. You were part of it. Now, you would hope that in many cases you earned that jersey, like you had to do something to make the team. But that's just simply not the case in something like Little League or whatever, where, you know, your parents pay the fee, you're on the team. 
But here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the 70s, when participation trophies saw another rise, that was after, as I mentioned earlier, the 1960s, the self-help feel-good idea that we have to make everybody feel good about everything they're doing in life. And then, as those people had babies and they grew up and they became teenagers in the 80s and then in the 90s, we started to see this participation culture that made a huge problem for American youth. And even now, American adults who think that they deserve something when they really don't. Okay, now I'm going to show you the manifestation of this. We have a video clip and I want you to play it, Brandon. A day in the life of a Google employee after getting laid off. Play it. A day in my life getting laid off at Google. So I woke up to this really ominous text from my boss and I honestly had no idea what it was going to be about. So I called her the minute I woke up and saw this and she told me to check the news and my email. So I rushed downstairs to find out that I had lost access to basically everything. I couldn't log into my email or even check my calendar. I called my boss back and we just sobbed over the phone because she was also finding out about my layoff for the first time today too. I started getting calls from a bunch of my coworkers and started finding out who else was let go on my team and some neighbors teams as well. But I think the worst part is that it seems like no one was consulted on this decision and everyone was just finding out about the layoffs at the same time. It just felt like a really bad game of Russian roulette and there was no consistency around who was let go. It was also not performance-based, so it just felt really random. I opened up LinkedIn, which honestly was not great for my mental health. There were so many people who were in the same boat that were both equally as shocked and blindsided, but it did help me feel a little less alone. Honestly, I spent so much of the day crying that I just felt so tired from being sad and wanted to do something that would just make me feel better. Luckily, I have an annual pass, so I headed over to Disneyland because I wanted to go eat my feelings. So I started off with a cinnamon <laughs> galaxy churro and then went to the teriyaki turkey leg. This is a special limited edition item for the Lunar New Year celebration at Disney California Adventure. I had some Rice crispy, a corn dog, did some drawing, and even had another churro. I don't really know what's next for me, but I'll be vlogging my journey and posting more content about it. <laughs> An emotional meltdown because she got fired. Had to go get a churro. Yeah. See, this is what we're producing. This is what we have produced in culture. That Again, people lose their jobs. Uh, it's something that happens. Uh, but I, you know, suddenly I, I needed to get on LinkedIn and I saw that other people were losing their jobs. So I didn't feel so alone <laughs> guys. Um, this is the problem. This it is a culture that we have created. You can call it participation trophy. You can call it unearned rewards, whatever. But one day when you show up and there's a box sitting on your desk and they tell you to fill it up with your crap and get the hell out of the building. If you're not prepared for that, listen, you better be prepared for your life's path. And stop trying to prepare the path for your kid's life. Okay? That's all I'm trying to tell you. Prepare your kids for the path. Don't prepare the path for your kids. There's a huge difference in that. Now, we all hope that we never really are going to have to need that life insurance. But I got a feeling your family's going to appreciate if you have it. There's going to be mortgage payments. There's going to be child care and other expenses. They don't disappear when you're gone. Now, if you have a family like I do, you already have plenty of things to worry about. A good life insurance plan can give you extra peace of mind that your family will always be taken care of. Policy Genius gives you a smarter way to find and buy the right coverage for you and your family. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Now, 
policy genius. You can find life insurance policies that start at just $17 a month for $500,000 of coverage. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head over to policygenius.com slash chat, or you can click the link in the description of this show and get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com slash chat. We'll be right back. All right, so much stuff to get into and uh, upload from the mothership. Uh, Puppet Master Mark, let's love Brand. You guys have a good weekend overall. You didn't collect any uh, participation trophies, nothing like that. Well, I didn't uh, get laid off, so it was a pretty good weekend. You didn't get laid off? Yeah, we'll nah, see. I didn't that. have a reason to go to Disneyland and eat my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I'm at a point now where churros or not, I don't. I really don't want to go in public anymore. I mean, I go out and do my live shows, keep my head on a swivel. We had another shooting in uh, in uh, Monterey, mm-hmm. uh, Montecito. Where was it? Monterey. There's Monterey. Just, uh, yeah, outside of L.A. And uh, of course, they don't want to talk about the fact that this was an Asian man who committed this atrocity against other Asians. Um, doesn't fit the narrative. There's a few things that don't fit the narrative these days. Um, it's interesting to me, though, that, uh, you know, you would think you would think with journalistic objectivity, if such a thing existed anymore, that people would just tell the stories the way they are. Um, it, it doesn't matter if this was an Asian man or a white man or a black man or female, whatever. None of those characteristics matter. Why don't they ever talk about mental health? Why do they not? They refuse to do that. So now you have the uh, the ATF is is supposedly you know federally outlawing uh, stabilizing braces for pistols. So that's going to pretty much try to put a damper on your owning of any short barrel rifle or any gun that you can handle with one hand if it has a stabilizing brace for your shoulder. Um, and it's always amazing to me when these things start to come out, there tends to be another shooting. Uh, it's almost like there, it, again, this is my, just, I'm just saying this facetiously, but makes you say, hmm, it's almost like, is there a chip in somebody's head where they can just flip a switch and on cue, I, th- these mentally ill people are the ones that are responsible and we're not talking about, it. we don't, we don't, we don't do anything about it. Uh, this is a spiritual problem. This is a mental health problem. And it's it's fascinating to me how no one out there has enough journalistic objectivity to truly address these things that are going on in our country. It's it's going to become, and it, it has in many ways, white noise. Right? You hear about another shooting, and boom, it's just white noise. It just you just you just gloss right over it. Um, and the only time you really hear a lot about it is if it's someone who fits the narrative, like it's a you know a straight white male um, out there that commits one of these atrocities. They don't want to talk about it. Um, another thing they don't want to talk about, there's this story going around and a lot of people ask me because I, I did a live feed video on Facebook this morning and I talked about what we we're going to talk about on this show tonight. And one of the things was this gay couple who adopted these two children, these two boys, and uh, they're an LGBT activist couple. They were arrested in Georgia. Uh, it's Walton County, Georgia. This is uh, Dale Zulock, 32, and Zachary Jacob Zulock, Jacoby Zulock, 
35. They were both arrested and charged with aggravated child molestation, sexual exploitation of children, and enticing a child for indecent purposes. They were not only raping their adopted sons, but they were also pimping them out for others to, uh, to rape them. These, these boys, and this has been going on apparently since uh, somewhere around 2017. And uh, the boys are, I think, 9 and 11 now. And I was mentioning that we were going to talk about this story. And people kept saying, I haven't heard this story. I haven't heard this story. I haven't heard this story. Why? Why haven't we heard this story? Because, again, you don't want to talk about something that violates the narrative, right? Now, this is horrific. And I'm not saying just because it's a gay couple, this is what happens. That's not what I'm saying. So don't misinterpret me at all. I mean, they, they're wanting to give these guys, uh, you know, nine consecutive life sentences. That's not enough. In fact, the fact that they're able to breathe another day, um, anything short of that, is, is mercy beyond anything that should be doled out to them. They, they should, their lives should be ended, these two beasts, these animals. These, these, I don't even call them men. They're not men. They should be, their lives should be snuffed out immediately. Um, I'm okay if you chop their genitals off and, and shove it down their throat so that they choke on it. Uh, this is absolute barbarism here. When you read the story and you hear the things that went on, and the perversion and just the horrible nature of these crimes, you know, and people want to know people, people want to say, you know, why are you so threatened by family friendly drag shows, which Taylor Hansen had some just incredible footage from one that happened in Austin over the weekend where this guy dressed like a woman and his genitals hanging out you know, in a thong is dancing and gyrating in front of a, a little boy that's there present. And you see these things and you say, why are you guys so threatened by that? Well, it's because of this kind of stuff. And you say, well, you know, there were, there's, there's at least nine pastors, quote unquote, pastors in the state of Texas that have been brought up on charges of, 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 you know, molestation and sexual harassment of children. And listen, the same goes for them. The same goes for them. I don't care what classification you come under, whether it's a religious classification or some sexual orientation, if you screw with children, you do not deserve to live. It's that simple. You have forfeited your right to exist, period. You are taking the most defenseless among us, those who should be protected, those who should be nurtured, cared for, who should be educated, who should be comforted, those who should know that they live in a safe environment. And, you know, you have two extremes. I talked about the participation trophy culture over here where we coddle our children. But then you go to the other extreme where we're ab abjectly abusing our children to the point of ruining their lives. And I'm like, what the f is wrong with these people? What, I mean, what the hell is wrong with people that we truly cannot see the gift that we've been given uh, in being able to raise and nurture and train the next generation? It's absolutely mind-numbingly, blissfully ignorant on society's part that we can't see the value of what's been entrusted to us, that we don't care. Like, as long as they're fed and go to bed and they get to school on time, then we think we've somehow done our job as parents. Well, you haven't. And then you got these two pinheads who are not only sexually abusing their own children. And I mean, the article is, you, you read the stuff that went on. 
According to a 17-count indictment obtained by a town hall, the LGBT activists allegedly performed oral sex on both boys, forced the children to perform oral sex on them, and anally, ra anally raped their sons. Additionally, the older of the two victims, who just turned 11 in December, was grievously injured during one of the brutal rapes. The court documents reportedly suggested the child sexual abuse had been going on for years, dating back to at least 2019, so I correct the date. Zachary Zulak filmed his so-called husband, William Zulak, sexually abusing at least one of the boys. Um, they reported that Zachary admitted to being the cameraman after authorities found a folder labeled Us, full of video evidence of the foul crimes against the children on his cell phone. Uh, he said in a uh, police interview, he said, he said he sent a video evidence of the routine, routine rapes to less than a dozen people. Uh, the criminal indictment indicated that the LGBT activists reached out to two other men. Now, these are activists. And, that, and the reason this story is important, guys, is because these are activists. These were people who have influence over other people in the LGBT community. If you're labeled an activist, that means you are actively involved in the community and pushing an agenda, which means these guys were part of that community. How far reaching does this go? Well, let me tell you. He reached out to two other men via social media, soliciting the children to perform an act of prostitution with one of the adopted boys, the same who suffered injuries from the sexual assaults. 27-year-old Hunter Clay Lawless and 25-year-old Luis Armando Vizcaro Sanchez of Loganville, Georgia, are the two men in question, both allegedly members of a pedophile ring. Lawless informed on the Zulocks, noting that Zachary, whom he met on the gay dating app Grinder, discussed the prospect of f***ing his son tonight. Zachary Zulock allegedly sent Lawless pictures of him raping his 11-year-old prisoner. Lawless has, been, has reportedly been out on bond since July 29th. Besides allegedly raping their apparent um, child prisoners, a relative of the Zulocks said the couple also abused them by non-sexual means. Uh, the relative told Town Hall that after school, the boys were forced to stand in a corner for eight hours straight. The LGBT activists on whose doorstep the welcome mat read, gayest place in town, maintain they are not guilty, although the Walton County Superior Court lists among the evidence two flash drives containing phone data of Zachary Zulock and Hunter Lawless, uh, image of text messages from Lawless, photo of daddy shirt, a Snapchat letter, forensic interviews for both children, 149 images taken from the alleged child rapist's home, two written letters. Uh, from the older of the two children victims and a disc containing data dump of iPad and iPhone of Luis Sanchez available for inspection by appointment. So here's what you do. Here's what you do. You open the doors there at the prison and you release them into general population. And you put a sign around their neck that says this is who they are and this is what they did. And then you just leave it alone. You just leave it alone. Let nature take its course. I'm sick to death of these stories. I'm sick to death of this. And I'm sick to death of the fact that the media, by and large, refuses to report on things like this. They just won't talk about it. You know why? Because it violates the effing agenda. It doesn't go along with the narrative. So there you go, folks. More to say on that, but we got to go to a break. 
Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I like doing stuff outdoors. I like camping. I like uh, I like doing all the stuff that goes along with that. And uh, it can get expensive, especially with the price hikes lately. That's why I have to tell you about my new favorite way to save money, no matter what your hobby may be. And that's Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, dines out. With Upside, I get cash back on every purchase that I can use to fund, you know, my camping trips. And it's basically cash back for just doing you. Now, to start, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code CHAD. I spell it Chad. Get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Then pay as usual with credit or debit cards. Follow the steps in the app and you'll get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Plus, Upside doesn't sell your personal information to third parties. They know that your information is a vital part of their trusted relationship with you. Upside users are earning hundreds of dollars a year. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating in the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code CHAD to get an extra 25% back on every gallon your first tank of gas. That's an extra 25 cents back on your first tank of gas using promo code CHAD. Get the Upside app. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, welcome back. Oh, man, it's a crazy world we're living in. I don't have to tell you that, folks. If you, wish to, if you wish to feast your dark appetite on the dying fumes of civilization in this here old republic, you need not extend far beyond the language with which it carries out its business. After all, when words and phrases like the, you know, that Zen-like status of being arbitrary, the thoughts creating them soon follow. And that, my friends, is when a culture can go from well-nigh impossible to save to not worth saving. Uh, we have fun here, folks, but never doubt that our greatness can and likely someday will disappear into the dustbin of history. Now, that all, you know, all that heavy, now that all that heaviness is out of the way, let's talk about titties. Now, uh, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, has decided that it will now allow transgender and non binary people to show their nipples in posts regardless of their biological sex. Yeah. This decision comes in the wake of their oversight board overturning the flagging of two posts that, you know, to that effect, and it sets a precedent now on the social media landscape for what they would term broader inclusivity. One representative from the company said, and I quote, we are constantly evaluating our policies to help make our platform safer for everyone. We know more can be done to support the LGBTQ plus community, and that means working with experts and LGBTQ plus advocacy organizations on a range of issues and product improvements, end quote. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. So, well, let's unpack it. Do you remember a while back when the Ellen Page, the actress, voluntarily placed herself under the knife and got rid of what precious little the good Lord blessed her with in the chesticles department. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, that sentence should have read, do you remember when the actor Elliot Page voluntarily placed himself under the knife and blah, 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 blah. Of course you do. You're watching this show, so it stands to reason that you keep up on this kind of thing. Yeah. Here's what I want to submit for your consideration. That moment was kind of the last gasp of any meaningful controversy in a mere few years we as a society have gone from seeing the transgender movement as the kind of fringe thing that it was to being so inundated with it today that we just kind of go limp-wristed and don't protest this protest this very much anymore and why is that well i'll tell you why 
It's because of that language thing I was talking about. Listen, not all brainwashing happens rapidly and at a high conceptual levels. Ideas that start as mere kernels build up inertia, uh, inertial momentum. And the next thing you know, you're able to hold two diametrically opposed notions in your head at the same time and believe them both at the same time as well. And that, my friends, is how we get to the place where social media companies who frown on the indecency of nudity nevertheless are making exceptions to the rules for a protected class of people. Now, I know what you're thinking, Chad, what are we going to do about this? Do you have a solution? Of course I have a solution. I don't just come on this program to outline the world's problems. I also try to solve them. And in this case, the solution is simple. Make no mistake. It's going to be a great sacrifice for all of us, but it just has to be done. You ladies out there, and especially you hot ladies, you know who you are. You're going to have to be the vanguard in this latest fight against the woke mob. It pains me that I even have to suggest such a terrible spate of actions, but here it is. You're going to have to post pictures on your social media of your titties. That's right. And you're going to have to claim to be non-binary or transgender while you do it. Yes, we're going to have to flood social media with a veritable tidal wave of boobs, all bared in the name of freedom and conservatism. And I'll look. I will look. You bet I'll look. I, I won't want to. But damn it, I'm a patriotic American and I do my duty. Free the nipples, ladies, just like Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted. I have a dream. I have a dream. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, I'm here for it. Um, uh, consenting adults. God bless them. Ah, uh, uh, the nipples. <laughs> two types of boobs in the world. There's only two types of boobs in the world. That's the, the feeding kind and the looking at kind. And uh, if you don't have the looking at, if you don't have the feeding kind, then they are by, by default the looking at kind. And, and I'll just say that the looking at kind usually have the capability of being the feeding kind uh, if the situations are ripe for that. Um, if you've never been able to feed another human from your breast, and I, I mean, you came with the equipment. Now, some of you might have had some difficulty with it. Maybe you weren't good at the breastfeeding thing or something of that nature. I know things happen. But my point is, if you were a dude... You don't have that glandular ability to uh, give milky sustenance to your offspring. So um, those don't count. They just simply don't count. Those, are the, those aren't boobs. Those are silicon or saline or whatever it is you implanted in yourself um, to make yourself look as though, as though to have breasts. But they are indeed not breasts. Just, just want to clarify that. Just want to clarify that. Make sure that everybody knew. Uh, it's a weird world we're living in. And, um, I mean, let's just go back to the caveman days. Let's go to the fig leaves. That's what I say. The old days of Adam and Eve before we had knowledge of good and evil. Let's just go right back to it and, uh, let every, let everything hang out. I'll, you, you girls can swing them boobies and I'll helicopter everywhere. Just waka, 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 waka. It'll be fun times. Fun times here at the Blaze Studios. <laughs> the world we're living in. But uh, don't worry, man. Listen, we're redefining everything in this nation at this point. Um, our uh, our uh, wonderful, fantastic vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, she gave a speech. Uh, and in it, she quoted the Declaration of Independence. She did that on Sunday. That was yesterday. 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which is, of course, the now reverse landmark Supreme Court case. I want you to listen to this little clip of what she had to say, and, and I want you to tell me what's missing. Play the clip. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. 
A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Boy, she left out a lot there. Uh, she left out a whole lot there. Like, she didn't mention that we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life. She skipped that, skipped all of that life, and she went straight to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Well, aren't we just a gay bunch? Yes, we're, we're, just, we're free to murder babies and, and have sex with whoever we want to have sex with and just do whatever we want to do because we can just have life in the pursuit of happiness. Or, or I'm sorry, um, liberty, just to be libertines, freedom, whatever, in the pursuit of happiness. But forget protecting life that was actually uh, from a creator. And by the way, when you read the Declaration of Independence, that word is in capital. It's a capital C in front of creator, uh, which expresses that your creator is actually divine. And uh, we come from a theistic designer. Um, but no, not for Kamala, because, again, we can redefine everything. We redefine what life is, what men are, what women are. It's all open. And uh, we can even redefine what success is. And if you feel successful, then by God, why don't you just get yourself a participation trophy? <laughs> ah, well, this new year, you got some goals and factors here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with factors ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get factor. Not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, cleaning up too. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat it and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie smart, uh, vegan plus veggie, protein plus meals on the menu each week prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36 plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and uh, more satisfying add-ons. If you're looking to cut back on takeout, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. And they're good, folks. I promise you. Head to Factor75.com slash Chad60. Use code Chad60. Get 60% off your first box. That's code Chad60 at Factor75.com slash Chad60. Get 60% off your first box. We'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome back. Got a guest via Skype, very special guest, our uh, good friend Seth Dillon. He runs a little thing called, uh, you might have heard of it, it's called the Babylon Bee. And they've got a cool event coming up in Fort Worth, a uh, place I like to call home in February. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, Seth, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. We were just talking about Kamala Harris's glorious, uplifting, rousing, motivational speech in which she was celebrating the uh, 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which thankfully now is overturned. But uh, uh, she she decided to quote, or I should say, uh, quote parts of the Declaration of Independence. She left out any mention of the creator, any mention of the right to life and those rights being inalienable. I'm sure you saw that, and I know you guys had some things to say about it. What, what's going on in the world today? How do, how, do, how do we look at this thing and make any sense of it? 
the, you know, it's interesting. I, I make this joke all the time that it's the challenge of doing satire in this world is so crazy. <laughs> Imagine if your job is to write things that are funnier than what Democrats are doing in real life. Try writing something that's funnier than a Kamala Harris speech. I mean, that's one of the things I say all the time. It's very hard to do. But in this case, her speech wasn't funny. It was actually kind of scary that she was willing to edit the Declaration of Independence like that. Usually she's incoherent. This time it, there was something kind of sinister going on there. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, whether it's her or a speechwriter, obviously you can see there's an agenda uh, that's taking place. Um, because when you start to not just misquote it, it's one thing to, you know, as Joe Biden said, you know, and the thing. I mean, that that's that's a misquote where you're having a brain fart, whatever you forget. You don't know what you're talking about anymore. Or you're singing, you know, happy birthday to someone at a Martin Luther King Memorial and right. you forget their name. That's that's one thing. This was actually a prompted, scripted speech uh, that she was going off of. And when you look at that, when you look at the um, just this the scary way that they're pushing this agenda with absolute impunity and unapologetically, it's scary to see. You guys do a good job. I've always said if you could take some common sense, rapid in humor, it becomes an easier pill to swallow. I know I try to do that. You mm -hmm. guys are experts at it. But the pushback that comes, um, you know, you guys have been deplatformed de in the past. How are things going now at the B? I mean, are you guys kind of now that Elon's taken over, are you seeing an easier way to get the messaging out? Elon helped. Elon helped big time. We were locked out of Twitter for eight months. Yeah. You know, we made that joke about Rachel Levine. USA Today had named Rachel Levine woman of the year. We fired back and said Rachel Levine was our pick for man of the year. Um, you know, obviously that was considered hateful conduct and misgendering on the old Twitter. And so <laughs> they locked us out. Um, Musk, it was one of the first things he did when he came in was demand that they go in and restate, reinstate our account, bring the B back. Um, eventually we did get turned back on in November. So, so we've been up and running for a little while. We now have full reach on social media. I say full reach, meaning like we're, we're present and active on these platforms, but, uh, you know, we, we get very little reach on Facebook compared to what we used to see. So that's not good, but it's hard to know what's going on there because there's no transparency. We're not friends with the billionaire owner of Facebook. So, uh, no insight into what's going on there, but you know, the B is continuing to do what it does best. I think it's it's ridicule, bad ideas, um, speak truth to culture through humor. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing that. We're having a lot of impact doing that. To be involved in this whole conversation with free speech and everything is crazy. We're just trying to make jokes on the Internet. But the fact that we've got roped into this, you know, it's it is what it is. You know, we got to continue to fight for freedom and the right to make jokes in the first place. I love it. Well, I know our audience loves the Babylon Bee, and you guys are coming to Texas. You're going to be in Fort Worth uh, in February. Tell me about that event. It's our first live event. So we've never done a live event before. Um, we do a podcast. Uh, we go out and we speak sometimes. Our editor-in-chief speaks, our managing editor. I do, I do live events sometimes where I'll be speaking at fundraisers or I was just at the National Pro-Life Summit in D.C. giving a talk about the right to life, which Kamala Harris omitted from her speech. <laughs> um, you know, we, we do some live things, but we've never done a live event where we have the whole B team together on the stage interacting with our audience um, you know, doing some live sketches, introducing people to some new material, talking about our plans for the future. That's what this is going to be at the uh, the River Ranch Stockyards on February 24th in Fort Worth. So that'll be a lot of fun. It's the first time we're doing that. Hopefully there'll be more of that to come if it goes well. What is the best way for people to find out information, get tickets, and be able to attend that? We, went, we put up a website specifically for it, BabylonBeLive.com. BabylonBeLive.com. That's where you can still get tickets. The VIP tickets are sold out, but there's still some general admission available. If you go out there and check it out, you can get them there. 
Well, the River Ranch there in the Stockyards is an excellent, excellent venue. You guys are going to have a great time. And, of course, it's surrounded by the uh, the historic stockyards of Fort Worth. And the revitalization project down there has turned that into just an absolute uh, tourist attraction. Everybody, great places to eat and great places to be. So I encourage people to be a part of that. And I, I think you guys will not only have some laughs, but it'll be wildly informative. How, how difficult is it? You know, I've talked with you guys before. You know, it seems like it's coming at you, you know, just at the speed of thought in terms of the stuff that we should be making fun of. Uh, like, how how hard is it to keep yourself censored? Like, I because like me, I want to go off the rails sometimes, right? <laughs> is do you find that difficult, or is it just kind of a no holds barred philosophy at this point at the B? Uh, I try to discourage self censorship. You know, the way that I put it is when you censor yourself, you're doing the tyrant's work for him. Why do that? Why make it easier for him to shut you up by doing it for him? I try to, you know, we try to push back on that to the extent possible and and push the boundaries, which, you know, the boundaries are are moving so rapidly in this direction where like the most reasonable, sane things like men can't become women or men can't become pregnant, uh, you know, saying things like this. There's no such thing as a transgender kindergartner. (laughs) <laughs> These things become extreme positions because the the actual lunacy has become mainstream. So I think uh, I think that we should push back on that, not censor ourselves. In fact, I think we actually have a moral obligation to be vocal on these things. We need to re- we need to restore sanity. They want us to go into the upside down with them, but they're not asking. They're telling us we have to. And I think we need to resist that. Well, and you guys need to certainly go back. You've heard me talk about it on this show before. My audience says, you know, we, we, we encourage people to go get the Babylon Bee. You know, the, the guide that you guys put out, what was it, last year or the year before? I think, I think I've <laughs> bought two dozen of those at this point and given them away as gifts. Uh, Thank it, you. Love that. Dude, I, I love it. I wish I could just get your throwaways and just put them on my own Twitter feed, like the stuff that you guys <laughs> don't use. But I appreciate the hard work you guys put in there. And I know there's a lot of creativity that goes in there. So I pray blessings over you guys as protection and just continue uh, just freedom of thought and creativity. So, Seth, thank you for doing what you're doing. And we'll continue to encourage people to be at the event there at uh, in Fort Worth in February. So thank, thank you, you, I man. appreciate that very much. You bet. Take care, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, hang tight. We're not done. We'll be right back. I tell you, I got to give props where it's due. Uh, Not only to Russell Brand, who I never thought I'd be giving props to, but to our very own Glenn Beck and the great work that both those men have used their voices and their platforms to do to, to call out the World Economic Forum. You know, this event in Davos, this one that happened just last week, I mean, do you see the rise in prostitution in that deal? I mean, insane. I mean, the amount of money they were spending on prostitutes. And I hope it does become something as, as uh, you know, Jeffrey Schellenberger has predicted that it's going to become something that is going to be taboo to consider yourself to be a part of because it's a cult wrapped in a shill, wrapped in a marketing scheme and all these different things. The, w, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, uh, if you have not heard, they're now calling for millions of cats and dogs worldwide to be killed in an attempt to reduce the carbon footprint that they produce as a result of eating meat. That's right. So um, your puppy is is doomed, according to the World Economic Forum. Uh, they're introducing an international policy that would require most pet owners to euthanize their animals. So, you know, we might be willing to give up a lot of our rights 
and get taxed to death. But when they start messing with Muffy and Fluffy, shit's about to hit the fan. Oh, I've always said people care more about animals, dogs in particular, than other people. They do. Yeah. They do. You can abort babies, human babies, but don't start messing with the puppies. That's when you're going to have a civil war. That's when you're going to have a revolution, I should say. All right. That would be one thing that brings the left and right together and unifies us. All right, folks. ChadBraitherLive.com. I'm going to be in Joplin, Missouri with the boys. We're going to definitely offend some people. If you are thin-skinned, do not come to this show. Do not come to this show in Joplin, Missouri, Friday night. If you are thin-skinned, if you drink beta soy milk, if you walk around slump-shouldered with your hands in your pockets, and your woman tells you what to do. Do not come to the Buckwild Comedy Tour. I don't want you to be there because you will not be able to handle it. But we're going to be there Friday night, Joplin, Missouri, at the Roxy Entertainment Center. Be there. ChadPraitherLive.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Subscribe to Blaze and be our friend. Goodbye.